because we want to make disciples together, in a couple of weeks on January the 23rd, we're having a church lunch. Just a, if, if you'd like to meet some folks, if you'd like to find a small group, uh, maybe there's some people you haven't seen in a long time, won't, won't you come for after the service on the 23rd, we'll have a great meal and just a chance to, to be together for a time. Love to have you come on January the 23rd. It's going to be a really, really good time. Speaking of um, eating, I was out in a restaurant this week, and what I noticed was my server was training a new server. It was so beautiful to watch that, that the, my trainer was trained, or that my server was serving, and there was this lady who was two steps behind him. She was following him everywhere he went, and he was showing her what to do and explaining to her how to be a server. And I said, that's it. He's doing just what Jesus did and just what he's called us to do. Listen, all of us are called to be followers of Jesus, and one of all of us had someone just like he had, someone who was just a couple of steps behind us, and we were showing them how to follow Jesus. Wouldn't that be great? And I find with the people I'm helping to disciple, one of the things they say is, could you help me with prayer? Could you help me with prayer? I really need help, and so I'm really excited. I've invited, I've invited a good friend of mine to come this morning and show us how to pray. Pray. So if you could use some help, it's going to be so good. My good friend is named Paul. And he invites us to come and learn from him how to pray. And what he's going to teach us about uh, prayer today, the point of the message today, is to pray for fruit-bearing disciples. Listen, when, when you pray for people, what do you pray for? We're going to find that my friend Paul, what he prayed for, was he prayed for fruit-bearing disciples. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. And uh, as we turn there, what do vegetables say before they eat dinner? Let us pray, okay? <laughs> Maybe I'll stick to Scripture, okay? Colossians 1, verse 9, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Let's unpack that verse a little bit. Notice how it starts for this reason. If you weren't here last week, that reason was there was a man named Epaphras who planted the church in Colossae. He planted it in about 55 A.D., and then about five or seven years later, he travels to Rome because Paul is now in prison in Rome and he shares with them. He shares with Paul the good news, the good news that the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit is producing fruit in the Colossians and through them many are coming to faith in Christ. And then he shared with them the bad news that false teaching had infected the church. And so Paul wrote this letter and Paul began to pray. Notice, for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we. Notice Paul prayed individually, but Paul also prayed with others. And it's good for us. It's good that we would spend time in prayer with Jesus and us alone, but it's, it's also good with, to gather with others, like in our small group and in other situations, to pray together. So who are the we? Well, remember back in <clears throat> verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. So the we was at least, it was at least Paul and Timothy, and probably Paul and Timothy and many others, right? 
Since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. So Paul was praying continually. And as we spend time with Paul, how can you pray continually? Recently, someone shared a really good thing with me. They said, praying, prayer is not so much something we do, but someone we're with. It's not something, so much something that we do, but it's someone we're with, and we can talk to Jesus all the time. And so I believe that Paul had set times where he prayed, because that's a good thing to do. But I believe Paul also prayed all the time. It's good for us to have concentrated times of prayer, but it's also good. We can talk to Jesus. I mean, can you believe? We can talk to him all the time. We have not ceased to pray for you and to ask. And I want you to notice, too, that Paul's prayer life was balanced. It was balanced between giving God thanks and also asking. Last week, we learned that Paul thanked God for the fruit that the gospel was bearing by the power of the Holy Spirit in and through the church in Colossae. Remember back in verse 3, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. So Paul took some of his prayer time and he gave God thanks. And part of our prayer time should be in thanks too for what God has done. But then Paul prayed for more fruit. He prayed for more fruit. Wouldn't it be good for us to do that? To be very thankful for the fruit that God is producing in us, but longing for more fruit. And to pray for you and to ask. Now, we might be bugged when people ask us for things, but God delights when we acknowledge our neediness of him. He loves it. He loves it when we acknowledge how much we need him. Because every time we pray, we are reminded how we are dependent upon him for all things. Now think for a moment. When you pray for people, what do you pray for them for? And now, now let's look at what Paul prayed. Paul prayed for more fruit, for fruit-bearing disciples. Notice, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. So the first thing Paul prayed for fruit-bearing disciples is they would know God's will. Not just a little bit, but they would be, what? They would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Now, when you hear God's will, what do you think of? I find most people that I talk with, when they think about God's will, it's, should I go to this college or should I go to that college? Should I take this job or should I take that job? But in the Bible, God's will is never used to describe those things. In the Bible, God's will describes two things. It describes God's will for history. God's will for history will be done. And secondly, it describes God's revealed will, his revealed will, which is his word. Let's start with the first, God's will for history. Remember verse 1 of this chapter? But before we read it, let me ask you a question. I heard this recently. Who is the second most influential person in the history of the world? If someone asks you, I mean, we know who's number one, right? But if someone asks you, what's the second most influential person in the history of the world, who would you say? And this person was saying the Apostle Paul, and he's right, isn't he? That Paul is probably the second most influential person in the history of the world. And notice what verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, what? By the will of God. It was God's will. And so God pursued Paul and changed him from Saul to Paul. And then God called him to take the gospel beyond the Jews to take it to all the nations, right? 
So God's will for history is he's going to save a people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and every people. And he chooses people and he sends them out to share the gospel just like he chose Paul, right? So the first use of God's will in the Bible is God's will for history. He's going to save his people. The second use of God's will in the Bible is his revealed will, which is his word. In chapter 3 of Colossians, when we get there, we're going to read, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. The way we know God's will is when his word richly dwells within us. That's where we discover God's will. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, for this is the will of God. You ever wondered, what is God's will for my life? You're about to find out. Because it's not a secret. God's made it known to us. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. God's will for your life is that you would become like Jesus, that you would follow him, your sanctification. What is God's will for your life? That is that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. So we don't have to wonder about what God's will is for us. He's made it known. His will for us is our sanctification that we would become more and more like Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians 5, again, we, we come to understand what God's will is for our lives. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you uh, in Christ Jesus. So what is God's will for us? That we would be a people who are rejoicing, what? Always. We'd be a people that are what? That pray without ceasing. We would be a people who, who give thanks in all things. So how should we pray for one another? We pray for fruit-bearing disciples. That We pray for one another that, that people would know God's will. They would know it, right? They'd be filled with it. And then notice what's next that they may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The Holy Spirit who inspired men to write the scriptures illumines the scripture for us. And so we pray for one another that the Holy Spirit would give people wisdom, that they would understand it's God's word, that the Holy Spirit would give people understanding that they wouldn't just know his word, they'd understand it. Why? So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, so that we would follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit gives us the desire and the power to follow Jesus. He gives us the want to. He gives us the ability to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit loves to exalt Jesus. Look at Jesus. He's wiser than you. Follow him. Look at the life he lived. Isn't that the life you want to live? Follow Jesus. He knows the path to happiness better than you do. Follow Jesus. Is that how we pray for one another? Oh, Holy Spirit, open their eyes to see how beautiful the life is so that they would want to follow Jesus. Now, I want you to see the three steps there in fruit bearing, okay? First, we need to know God's word, right? And then we need to understand God's word, right? And then we need to act upon it. Isn't it true? We know, we understand, we act. That's how we bear fruit. I mean, isn't that how we begin the Christian life? Isn't it? Let me illustrate that in, with John 3.16. You've probably heard of this verse before, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When I was little, I went to church. In Sunday school, we memorized John 3.16. 
So if you had to ask me, what does John 3.16 say? I would, could have told you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But I didn't understand it. If you asked me, Smiley, what's your plan to get to heaven? I'd say, well, I'm a good person. <laughs> Probably laugh because I wasn't. But you know what that means? I knew the verse, but what? I didn't understand it. I knew it, but I didn't understand it. So it was many years later when I went to Young Life and my Young Life leader began to share the gospel that the Holy Spirit gave me understanding and wisdom that I understood the bad news of the gospel that I had sinned against God. That the way I spoke to my parents was a sin, a crime against God. That stealing was against God, a crime against God. That lying, so many things in my life were crimes against God and what I deserved was hell. And listen, that's not just true of me, it's true of all of us. Doesn't the Bible say for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God? How about you? Has the Holy Spirit opened your eyes to understand what John 3.16 means about the bad news of our sin? And man, when I understood my sin, then the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to see how beautiful Jesus is. Because when you see you're a sinner and you understand you deserve hell and then you hear about Jesus, it is the most beautiful thing in the world. You know what the Holy Spirit helped me to understand? That Jesus loved me. That Jesus is God the Son who put on flesh and came to earth to save me who lived a perfect life for me and died on the cross for my sins, not just mine, but he died for all of our sins. Do you, do you realize that? And, and then he rose on the third day and, and he offers us eternal life. And the Holy Spirit helped me to understand that. Listen, I understood that I could be forgiven. I could do life with Jesus and eternity with him. How? The verse says, by believing in him. And so for the first time in my life, I understood the way to have eternal life wasn't by being good, it was by believing in Jesus. And so I believed. And believing in Jesus is simple. It's as simple as A, where we admit, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And then B, believe, right? I said, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And then C, commit, that is, I trusted him as my Savior and Lord. Jesus, be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. And I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. See, first I knew and then I understood, and then I acted, and I had eternal life. How about you? Do you know John 3.16? Do you know it? Do, do you understand it? Do you understand your sin? Do you understand what Christ has done for you? H have you ever acted upon it? I mean, wouldn't you like to go to bed tonight forgiven? Wouldn't you like to do life and eternity with you? Jesus, if you've never acted upon it, won't you? Matter of fact, let's just take a moment. Let's all close our eyes just for a moment. Let's just close our eyes. Jesus, thank you so much that you came and died and rose so that sinners like me and all of us could be forgiven and, and live forever. And, and maybe if you're here and for the first time you've, you've gone from knowledge to understanding and you say, boy, I'd like to be forgiven. I'd, I'd like to go to bed tonight being forgiven. I'd like to go to bed tonight knowing that I'm doing life and eternity with Jesus. If for the first time you've understood, wouldn't you like to act? Listen, Jesus is here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. <clears throat> and I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be.
Oh, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Jesus said if we believe in him, we have eternal life. Won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you or tell someone. If you tell someone that today you believed in Jesus, he will be more real to you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So Paul prayed for fruit-bearing disciples that they would know his word, they would understand his word and act on it. That's how we begin the Christian life. Do you know that's how we make progress? That's how we become fruit-bearing disciples, when we know his word and then we understand his word and then we act on it. Let me show you that. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now notice he doesn't say to give thanks for everything. He says to give thanks what? In everything. So how do you do that? <laughs> Matthew Henry, a, a pastor and, a, and an author, once he was robbed. So if you were robbed, how would you give God thanks for being robbed? Here's what Matthew Henry did. Matthew Henry said, Lord, I want to thank you that though I was robbed, it was the first time I was robbed. That's something to be thankful for, right? And I want to thank you that though I was robbed, the robber didn't get much. And I want to thank you, Lord, that though I was robbed, I wasn't hurt. And here's the best. But most important of all, I want to thank you that I was the robbed and not the robber. Is that good? Isn't that? We, we know God's word. We're to give thanks in all things, and then we understand it, and then we, we act on it, right? And that's what he did, didn't he? He knew, he understood, and he acted. That's how we make progress. It's how we become fruit-bearing disciples. Paul says to pray for fruit-bearing disciples and ask that people would be filled with the knowledge of his will uh, and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord Notice this, to please him in all respects. As we pray for fruit-bearing disciples, we pray that people would want to please Jesus. That people would live for the pleasure of Jesus because we can't please Jesus and the world at the same time. And so we pray for one another that we would choose to please Jesus and not the world. Let me show you the choice we have in James chapter 4. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I mean, how many, how many of us want to be an adulterer or an adulteress? Listen, we want to please Jesus and not the world, right? How many of us want to be an enemy of God? And so every day we have choices. And, and what we need to pray for one another is that we would seek to please Jesus and not the world. Because the gospel we're called to share uh, often brings about hostility, uh, more often hunger, but there is hostility because the gospel is incredibly um, offensive. When we share the gospel with people, we get to share with them that they're sinners and they deserve hell. And some people don't like to hear that. You're calling me a sinner? Did you know the good news of the gospel is offensive too? Oh, I can't tell you how many times I've shared the gospel with people and they say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying that a person can just sin and sin and sin and then believe in Jesus and go to heaven? It's not what I'm saying, but it's what the gospel teaches. The gospel is even more offensive than that. You know what the gospel says? 
that someone like me can go to heaven. Isn't that amazing? Listen, if we're going to be fruit-bearing disciples, it's because we want to please Jesus and not the world. Listen to how the Apostle Paul spoke about that in Galatians chapter 1. Look at this verse. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. If you want the world to love you, listen, uh, you can't follow Jesus. And if, and if you want to follow Jesus, listen, the world is not going to love you. And, and I don't know about you, but I've decided that I'm going to follow Jesus. Won't you follow him with me? Listen, what we pray for one another is that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that they would want to please him in all respects, in every aspect of life, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Notice, bearing fruit and getting to know God better, do you notice how they go together? That as we bear fruit, we get to know God better. So, the Holy Spirit takes the gospel in our lives and wants to bear fruit in us, wants to bear fruit in us, and, and that's called the fruit of the Spirit. In, in Galatians chapter 5, um, look at this. What does the Holy Spirit want to produce in us? The character of Christ, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, when you look at that, isn't that like being in the Cheesecake Factory, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it all good? How, how do you know which one to choose, right? I mean, you look at that and say, well, that's who I want to be. That's what Jesus' life was like. His life was one of love and joy and peace. Don't you want that? His life was one of kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Don't you want that? And goodness and gentleness and self-control. So how do we bear the fruit? When we look at Jesus the one who is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faith. You know what happens? The Holy Spirit begins to produce that life in us. He produces that life in us. Isn't that who we want to be? Fruit-bearing disciples bearing fruit in us that we are becoming more and more like Christ. Fruit-bearing disciples is in us and then through us and then it's through us in a, in a local church. In 1 Peter chapter 4, we read, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. And for good works, God has given each of us spiritual gifts that he wants us to use in serving one another. Notice here the one another. We can use our gifts to reach out to our neighbors, but when you see one another, it's talking about in the church. One of the ways we bear fruit is by serving one another in a local church body. Um, have, you, have you been to a restaurant lately? They're really struggling what? To do what? To have what? To have servers, right? Don't they say, please be patient? You know, a lot of our... Uh, servers that have left and, and, and now when people are sick they, they, they don't come right so they're really struggling and, and I want you to know the last two years for our church has been really really hard too like our, our, our children's ministry that, that Tony and Tavani they've lost a lot of their gospel partners do you know that over the last two years 
And, and now when people don't feel good, they, they often call up and it can't come in. And there is a huge opportunity if you love babies and you love children to, to welcome children. Well, don't children need a, a place to come and learn about Jesus? Wouldn't you like to partner with Jesus? Listen, if you'd be willing to, to, to help welcome children, uh, won't you mark that on your Connect card? Hey, I'd be willing to serve. I'd be willing to serve. Or, or won't you talk to Tony and Tavanya? There's a tremendous opportunity for you to, to partner with parents and welcome children. There's many, many other opportunities for you to serve too. You could put on there, just find me a place to serve because listen, it's been a really tough couple of years of, of, of losing people for gospel partners and then people not being able to come in because uh, they're sick. And uh, we want to bear fruit in us and then through us in the local church and, and then out into the community, out into the community. In John chapter 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Listen, uh, I know some of you say, well, Smiley, didn't I choose Jesus? Sure, you chose him. <laughs> but you chose him. You know why? Because he first chose you. And this is so good. Listen to this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. Just like Paul was chosen and appointed to be an apostle, Jesus chose you because there's fruit he wants you to bear where you live and where you work, and where you play. I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit. There's people he wants you to share the gospel with where you live and work and play. And, that, and your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. When we ask the Father the things that Jesus wants us to ask, he's going to give us what we want. Now imagine, imagine what would happen if each of us in this room said, Father, help me to win one person to you this year. Just one. Lord, could you open up the opportunity for me to win one person to Christ this year where we live or where we work? Can you imagine what would happen in our community if, if each of us won one? Oh, listen, we pray for fruit-bearing disciples that the Holy Spirit through the power of the gospel, would produce fruit in us. We would become more like Christ through us and in his body and, and, in, the, and in the community. Bearing fruit in every good work. Notice this, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That as we bear fruit, we get to know Jesus better. As we bear fruit, we get to know Jesus better. And you say, well, how does that work? Well, remember... Remember after Jesus rose from the dead? Remember he gathered his disciples together? Remember that at the end of Matthew 28? And he gathers them together and it says some of them were doubtful, right? <laughs> now, if I'd have been Jesus, I'd have said, now, now go off to a monastery and, and take care of all your doubts and then go tell others about me. But what's fascinating to me is when they had doubts, Jesus said what? Go and make disciples. Go and tell others about me, and when you go and tell others about you, me, I'll be with you. Listen, you want to know Jesus? Share him with others, and, and he'll show up. If you want to know Jesus better, go where he is. I can't tell you how many people said, smiley, it was when I began to share the gospel, that's when I really understood the gospel myself. And it's so true. Listen, this week I had so many opportunities to have gospel conversations with others and, and, and to have disciple-making meetings. And when I'm talking about Jesus, he's never more real than when I'm sharing him with others. 
So we pray for fruit-bearing disciples who are bearing who are bearing much fruit, getting to know Jesus better, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of steadfastness and patience. That we pray for one another that as we bear much fruit, that we experience God's power working within us, transforming us and overflowing in the lives of others, that we become steadfast and patient. Ever... Ever get discouraged? Uh, maybe there's people that you've been sharing the gospel with and they haven't come to faith in Christ and you get discouraged. Or, or maybe you lead a small group and people don't show up and you get discouraged. Oh, I get discouraged a lot. And a verse that really helps me to be strengthened, to be steadfast and patient is in 1 Corinthians 15. Therefore, my beloved brethren. Isn't that great to know that we might be hated by the world, but we're beloved of God? Isn't that cool? Cool. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Oh, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Be steadfast, immovable. Don't be swayed by our culture. Don't, don't be swayed, immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Uh, joyously giving thanks to the Father. Do the people around us, would they consider us joyous, thankful people, would they? Are we continually overflowing with joy and thanksgiving, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in, the law, in light? Know why we're joyfully thankful? Because we've been qualified for eternal life. Do you know what, do you know what the qualifications are for eternal life? Anybody know? You have to be perfect. So how could we... How could we ever qualify? Because we have two problems, right? One is that we have sinned. How do we get rid of our sin? And secondly, we're not perfect. How could we ever qualify? Isn't that why we're thankful for Jesus, isn't it? Because he came to earth, right, and lived a perfect life for us. And then he died on the cross for our sins. So the moment we believe in Jesus, he takes all of our sins and we're forgiven, right? And he gives us his righteousness. So we're qualified for eternal life. We get to do life with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? We get to do eternity with Jesus. And what that means is we get to do life in the light, in the light. Oh, John 8, 12. Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. We've got four boys, they loved Legos. So many times they left a Lego on the floor. I'm walking in the darkness and I step on that. Do you know when the lights were on, I didn't step on it? I am so thankful to walk in the light, aren't you? So thankful. Do you know, for many years I walked in the darkness, but for many more years I've been able to walk in the light. Do you know I know who I am? Do you know I, I know where I'm going? I know why I'm here. I know right from wrong. I am so thankful to walk in the light, aren't you? That's why we're to be joyously giving thanks. We get to walk in the light and not in the darkness. Not only do I get to be a light, or to, to walk in light, but the, but the Bible calls us to be a light, right? I mean, the study on your seat, if you haven't picked it up, won't you pick it up? Won't you join us this year as we read through the New Testament together? 
Because this week we got to read Matthew 5, and it was so good. It was so good. In Matthew 5, verse 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do you know how many Christians I know that are cursing the darkness? They're just talking about how bad things are and they're cursing the darkness. All the darkness can do is be dark. The reason we're here, the reason we're here is to light up the darkness. And you know what happens when it gets really dark? Even little lights like mine or big lights like yours can really shine out in a dark time. And so what this is saying is we're walking in the light and we're here to light up the darkness. As the gospel transforms us, we're lighting up the darkness. As we're serving one another in the body, we're lighting up the darkness and people are drawn to the light. As we're living out our lives and sharing the gospel in the community, we're lighting up the darkness. So please quit cursing the darkness. And instead... Let your light shine. Let your light shine. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And so today, we, we've had a chance to be with Paul, and, and, and he's, he's taught us how to pray, right? Pray for fruit-bearing disciples. We've learned from him that, that we can pray individually, and we can pray together that we can pray all the time. We've learned to, to balance, listen, giving thanks and asking, right? We've learned how to pray for fruit-bearing disciples. And I know at Good News, we, we believe that a disciple has three great loves, and, and that's what Paul's really praying. He's praying that we would love Jesus so much, that we would love Jesus so much that we'd get into his word, that the Holy Spirit would give us understanding that we'd want to please Jesus, that we'd want to bear fruit, that we'd be steadfast, joyful, overflowing with thanksgiving, that we love Jesus. And he's praying that we would love one another, that we would want to serve one another. And he's praying that we would love the lost and we would want to tell others how amazing Jesus is. So, I bet you can't imagine what our action step is going to be this week. This whole message is very, 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 very simple. The, the point of the message is to pray for fruit-bearing disciples, and the action step is going to be to pray for fruit-bearing disciples. It's so cool. Strider did it at the beginning of the message, and I'm going to do it at the end of the message. What I would love for you to do is just when you have breakfast with Jesus, I mean, come on, Jesus invites you to breakfast. How can you say no to Jesus, right? When you have breakfast with Jesus, take Colossians 1, 9 through 12, and just pray that every day this week. Pray it for yourselves and then pray it for others. And uh, you say, well, 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 how do you do that? Well, I'm going to pray this prayer for myself and I'm going to pray it for you. And so I want to model for you what you can do every day this week when you get up and spend time with Jesus. Pray this prayer for yourselves and also for others. Let's pray. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much that we get to talk to you all the time. Thank you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Lord Jesus, help me to be filled with the knowledge of your will and your word. Lord, help our church. Help us to know your word. Fill our minds with your word. 
uh, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Holy Spirit, help me to be wise. Help me to understand your word. Help us to be a wise church. Help us to understand your word so that we will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Oh, Lord, help me to please you and not the world. Help me to follow you. Holy Spirit, give our members the desire and power to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please you, to please you, Jesus, in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work. Lord, help us to bear fruit in our lives. Help us to bear fruit in our church. Help us to bear fruit out into the community and increasing in the knowledge of God. And Jesus, as we bear fruit, may you show up and may we get to know you better. Oh, strengthen us with power according to your glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness. Help us to be strengthened. Help us to be steadfast and patience. Joyously giving thanks to the Father who's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. Oh, Jesus, thank you for taking our sins. Thank you for giving us your righteousness. Thank you for qualifying us. Thank you for inviting us to walk in the light. Lord, help us to walk in the light this week. And then, Lord, in our dark times, help us to let our light shine. All over the community this week, may our light shine. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.